Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the show. It's episode 329, and it's August 15th, 2022. I'm excited about today's show. We got a, a legend in the sport joining us. He is a two-time Olympic medalist, silver in 72, gold medalist in 1976, uh, John Peterson. Let's bring him on and chat with him. John, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm doing fine. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, well, welcome to the show, and really, I, I, I wanted to start kind of at the beginning. All right, I know what you've done in the sport, or you know your biggest <clears throat> accomplishments, but I, I'm curious, like, when you got involved with wrestling and how, right? Today, there's youth clubs, and there's, there's you know, little clubs, there's big clubs, there's college wrestlers, former college wrestlers, that former Olympics wrestlers that, that run these youth clubs, and... I got to think it wasn't the exact same way back in like maybe the 60s or 70s, probably the 60s, I guess, or maybe early when you got involved. But how, did, how did you get introduced to wrestling and what was the landscape like at whatever age you were at that point? Well, I have four uh, brothers, two older ones, two younger ones, Ben being the one that everybody knows mm-hmm. in wrestling. Uh, my two oldest brothers were good athletes. Uh, Phil, our oldest brother, played football at the University of Wisconsin. And how he got there is an interesting wrestling story. Uh, every wrestling coach ought to know this one. Uh, when he was a junior, he was the sixth man on the on the uh, wrestling on, on on the basketball team. And we got a new wrestling coach and football coach. And he told Phil, you know, you've got the ability to to uh, play D1 football. But if, if you keep playing basketball, you won't get any attention down there in Madison. So you if you switch and go out for wrestling, by the time you're a senior next year, you'll qualify for the state tournament, and then you'll get noticed, and you can get a scholarship to Wisconsin. And, and the plan worked perfectly. He quit the basketball team a week into it. Uh, our, our other older brother coming into high school didn't want to just follow everything that Phil did, and so he... Uh, he chose to do wrestling. Our mom wasn't real happy about that, but dad signed him in. And so I watched my two older brothers wrestle through high school and college. Uh, ben and I would practice their, their techniques. I can remember Tom showing me a wrestling move in our uh, our little hallway. That's where I learned a half Nelson. <laughs> so that was, that was when I was in grade school. I, I fell in love with the sport. I was way littler than Phil. Phil was probably 160 pounds when he was a freshman in high school. I weighed 95 pounds. Oh, wow. And hurt my knee playing football. 
couldn't compete my freshman year. So Ben and I actually started uh, organized wrestling together when I was a sophomore. He was a freshman in high school. But, of course, we had wrestled a lot at home, you know, in the Haymow. And she, mom let us wrestle in every room in the house except the living room. There was, there was a, a line we could not pass. I I come from a big family and I I got a uh, an older brother one year ahead of me and that's like the only place we wrestled and it was only until Dad left left the house because we weren't supposed to but <laughs> but we did we did a whole lot of wrestling in the living room so I'm I'm very familiar with that um was there was there much wrestling outside of the school was there even such and I know you didn't start till maybe ninth or tenth grade but was there such a thing you know that I'm, there's probably little league baseball I would assume back then but there was there any kind of wrestling prior to high school no at least not that that we knew of right uh that that didn't i don't think that started until the the 70s okay so um our organized wrestling outside of the of the, uh, the high school wrestling season was on our own at home inside so we, every- we were first exposed to freestyle pardon no go ahead sorry we were first exposed to freestyle uh, when I was a senior in high school. Uh, a neighboring coach, uh, one of the guys who just won the uh, cadet uh, world championships is from a town half hour from us, Amory, Wisconsin. And uh, <clears throat> there, the coach there was trying out for the Pan Am team, and he told us, hey, come and watch it down in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. And that's where we first saw international wrestling. So that was my senior year in high school. Okay. And then the next year, 60, uh, 68 Olympic trials had a regional tournament just an hour from our place. So both Ben and I went to that. It was the end of my freshman year in college. Uh, and he ended up qualifying for the, the final trials in, in uh, Ames, Iowa. I got beat by some big 10 champion. Um, so you had to be, in, you had to be the top guy to qualify. Okay. So I sat home while Ben, my younger brother, made it to the finals, and that's where that's where you know I, I say God wasn't in, in charge of things with us. His divine providence had Ben and I in the right place at the right time. Ben wrestled Chuck Jean, a tough two-time national champion at at Iowa State and two-time in, uh, NAIA champion out at uh, Adams State, and Ben got beat soundly, but in the last period, uh, took him down and uh, turned him with a, a crossbody ride and impressed Coach Nichols enough that he offered him a scholarship. And so I kind of followed Ben's coach's tales. Uh-huh. Later got introduced to Dan, and so that's a whole other story. Sure. Um you know, was it was it getting introduced to Dan, or was it prior that opened your eyes to like, wow, there's I want to go, I want to do big things, I want to go to college and and try to be an All American or national champ and or the world and Olympic level. When did you kind of get introduced to that and then think like, okay, this this is where I want to go? Well, it was a progressive thing. When by the time I was a senior in high school, I had the legitimate goal of being state champion. Uh-huh. But I, I didn't handle that so well. I talked to kids, young kids a lot about that. It's okay to set goals, but you got to really be careful how you use them. So when I failed to qualify for the state tournament, every other summer from my sophomore year, 
uh, till a senior, I had diligently worked out in the summer, lifting weights. Our brother Phil, who was playing football at Wisconsin, brought all weight training to us. Something that you didn't—they didn't have organized right. football. Football team at Wisconsin didn't even have an organized weightlifting program back then. He learned from all the Chicago guys. <laughs> so we were doing that stuff, but because I I failed to qualify for the state tournament as a senior, I wasted the whole summer. I thought. You don't qualify for the state tournament. How in the world can you wrestle in college? And I was so down on myself that I was down on myself when I lost in the semifinals of the sectional tournament. I didn't come back and take the two second to a guy I had beaten soundly before. I only lost four to two to the guy in the semis. That guy went on the next week and was the state champion. Oh wow! He went to Stout, didn't wrestle. <laughs> he didn't wrestle at Stout. I did. And some of my buddies told me, man, you know, that handsome guy who beat you, he's here on campus and and we're trying to get him to come out for wrestling. And I was secretly wanting him to come out because, you know, in my own self-pride, I wanted to beat the tar out of him. <laughs> yeah, of course. So you see, I had I had those that drive, but, you know, I'm not one of those guys that said I wanted to be Olympic champion way back when. I, I didn't even think about that, that that was a possibility until I was around Gable. Uh, and and Ben, of course, introduced me to Dan. And, and so I guess you said that's a whole other story, and if it's too big to get into, but I am kind of curious how you met Gable or how Ben met him and introduced you to him. And I know I think I mean the the story's remarkable, right? I think you were fifth in and like NAIA maybe, and then a year later on the yeah, world team, and a year later Olympic silver medal. It's like wait, what? This guy never qualified for state. This is unheard of. Yeah, so that's where it's not fair to just give those statistics out because, you know, see, I was, I lost four to two of the state champion. Right. I was at that level even in high school. So you were. And state then when I was in college, it's, so um, fifth in the NAI, that's a good place to start the story. Yeah. That same year, at Christmas time, I wrestled in the Midlands tournament. Second time I was in that tournament. First time I think I won one or two matches. But the second time, as a senior in college, I uh, took second place. And in the semifinals, I beat uh, Keith Abens, 167-pounder for Iowa State. And and Ben tells a story that the guys on his team said, hey, you know that Peterson guy that beat Abens, who is that? And, and Ben kind of smiled and said, oh, that's my brother. <laughs> That's the first time I remember meeting Dan at that tournament. And Dan told me, after you win the national tournament, call me up. So I'm out in uh, North Carolina. Oh, man, what's the school out there? They're a D1 school now. NAIA tournament was there. Can't remember the name of the school now. It's how much I've blocked it out. <laughs> when I got beat in the semifinals and took fifth, I remember going out on a football field and and just bawling like a baby. And I'm thinking, I got to call Dan up and tell him I took fifth. So did, I don't did, remember that conversation at all, but uh, I, I I called him up. <laughs> He probably said something like, "Well, you know, that's that's. Don't worry about that. Uh, freestyle is 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 much better." Uh -huh. We had actually been to the uh, World Team 
training camp because it was in Superior, just an hour and a half north of us in 1970. And I remember watching Dan there wrestle Bobby Douglas, uh, Sanders, and Don Bean going at each other like a couple of puppy dogs, and they, they ended up tying constantly. Same thing with with Dan and uh, and Bobby Douglas back when they didn't break the ties. Uh, I, I, I said, you know, this freestyle stuff is for me. I, I love wrestling on my feet. And so uh, I, I worked out, uh, I think, just one time uh, with uh, Wayne Wells. So that's that was a that was before my senior year in college. So I was already kind of down that trail of seeing, well, there's some potential. But again, after I took fifth in the NIA, Ben had to really prop me up. He he won the nationals that year. Uh, was third in the uh, freestyle nationals, and so he was invited to the Pan Am training camp down in Florida. He called Coach uh, Doug Blueball up and said, hey, can my brother come along camp? And I am so grateful to Thug Blueball because he said, hey, if he'll work as hard as you do, Ben, he can come to camp too. But this is show where my mind was and, and lack of confidence. We, we would do this routine run from our place down to the little town less than a mile away. Uh, we, well, it's about a mile. And then we would do sprints on the way back walk a light pole, run, sprint light pole. And uh, one of those days we were at the implement dealerships sitting on these tr big tractors and talking about stuff. And, and I told Ben, you know, what business do I have going to this training camp? Uh, there's going to be all kinds of national champions there. And, and uh, I'm an NAI guy. And he said, John, stop comparing yourself to others. They may be headed for failure. He wanted me to get my eyes off myself. <laughs> And that's, that's part of my problem. It was back then. Well, still is, you know, I think too much of myself. Here I am talking about myself. <laughs> that's the whole point of this. No. Um, at what, you know, he, Doug Blueball says, yeah, he, your brother can come if he works, if he works hard like you. And, and you're probably still shell shocked or, or your confidence isn't where it needs to be after taking fifth. Right. But you come to the camp and at some point, whether it's then or I don't know how, when did your confidence, and I'm, I'm guessing it's gradual, but maybe it was a, it was a, a, a click kind of thing where you went to a practice and you beat two or three guys and, and you had this confidence, but I'm curious how you went from crying on the football field and being upset and probably distraught to like in the mix and like up at the top of the heap now. Like how, that, that part to me is, I don't know. That's why, I, that's why I'm asking you these things. It's, it's, it's stunning. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's there's stuff in here that's unbelievable, um, but again, it's a gradual process. So that those three uh, how many weeks we had, uh, it was it was over a month, month and a half, I think we were training down in Florida. That time was was huge for me. Uh, I was not a great practice wrestler. I was more of a comp a competition guy. So being in the room with with top guys, national champs, that training with Dan. Ben tells in his book uh, about being in practice one day when uh, Coach uh, Blueball told the, st the starting guys to pick the guy they wanted to work out with, and and that day uh, Dan picked me, and and Ben said he had to fight you know this kind of jealousy because he had been the guy that Dan would pick to work out with, 
now all of a sudden he's picking his brother. So uh, Bob Anderson, an AIA guy, was was the starting uh, guy at 180 and a half pounds. So I worked out a lot with him, and he was a double-legged man like me, and man, uh, training with him was huge. So then when he came back from the, the uh, Pan Am games, he had gotten beat by a Cuban guy and had some injuries that got tweaked. He decided not to try out. Um, the week to, to – I, I, there's too many details here. You're going to have to read about them sometime. Sure. Because there was a fight between AAU and the Federation, the Federation was the first time they had the world team. And so – qualifying was uh, different than any other time they had i hadn't i hadn't qualified to be in the final trials but they had a week before the final trials to to give you a last chance jay robinson beat me in the freestyle so i didn't qualify through freestyle i qualified through greco there was only one other guy at at uh 198 and uh I got beat by him in a Greco match, but the top two guys qualified. So I qualified through Greco. Next week, Jay Robinson looked at the guys and said, well, I know it looks a little too tough. I'll just go Greco. And I didn't know half of these guys. Um, I ended up beating a guy who beat Ben when Ben was a sophomore. This guy from Michigan State. Can't think of his name right now. Anyway, I beat him in one of the matches to make the world team. Another kid from Navy. So I just fell into it. Things had to go right. That's what I call God's divine providence. You can call it lucky if you want. Uh, I was in the right place at the right time, training with Gable, and now I'm on the world team. And and then I get beat, first two matches, four to two to a Polish guy, got pinned by the East German. Ironically, I I met both of those guys in the Olympics the next year. But I was wrestling at a different level. And if you want to know how prog- how how the progress was, <laughs> um, Dan, after that, invited me to come down and live with him in Ames. And so now I'm training with those guys. And, and a month into being there, I was thinking, oh, man, this I'm not cut out for this stuff. After the World Championships, we wrestled in uh, in West Germany. I think we had seven duels. I lost every one of them. Got pinned twice with a gut wrench. Oh, Imagine gosh. that, getting pinned with a gut wrench. After you've been on the world team. <laughs> After I've been on the world 70... team. Wow. <laughs> and and Russ Ellickson, he was our 98 partner. You remember Russ? He was a coach before Tom Ryan at Ohio State. Ohio State. He's a Wisconsin kid. Ben had beaten him out for the Olympic team, or did later. Um, he left halfway through that tour and so they had me wrestling at one 198 talk about a way to blow your confidence (laughs) so i came back from that thinking you know that that's the last time i'll probably ever be in europe last time i'll ever make an olympic team so i worked worked enough to make a little money and went down to ames in in november and then uh went to the uh because I had been on the world team, I got to go to the Tbilisi tournament along with Gable. I got pinned in the second period by Ted Chevelli. I love to tell this story because it shows you what kind of qualities Dan had that helped him to be a good coach. I came off the mat after my match, 
you know, it wasn't like now they've got how many coaches and you scout all these guys, you know who everybody is. I come off the mat and Dan comes over to me and says, hey, you know who that was? I said, no, who was that? And he said, well, that's Ted Savelli. You, you watched him uh, win the world championships in Bulgaria when we were there. I said, Dan, why didn't you tell me that before? <laughs> <laughs> and Dan said, oh, I knew you weren't ready, Peterson. But he proceeded for the next month and a half as we were training together, doing our morning practices and drilling stuff. He had me drilling a two-on-one to a double leg. And I took Ted Chevelli down when they came to the United States three times when we wrestled in dual meet in uh, Anoka, Minnesota. I lost five to three. So that's just a, a month, month and a half at the most that he helped me make that progress. And, and, and you know how much that helped my confidence. Huge. Yeah. Was Gable almost like, um, you know, he, like he had me doing a two on one to a double leg. I'm like, he sounds as much as a coach as a teammate, right? He's like trying oh, yeah. to get you ready and get each other. But he's like, this is what you need to do to beat him. Is that fair? Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I like to think that Ben and I helped him big time uh, recruit uh, brothers <laughs> and then gave gave him some experience in, in how to deal with, with uh, guys who maybe have some uh, some good physical qualities that can make them good wrestlers and, 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 and brains and, and hearts that want to compete and bring them from not knowing much to what they need. Uh, he got a lot of practice with us because we were raw. What? I, I, I gosh, so many questions. <laughs> Did he help you more physically or mentally? If that, yeah, like, both. Like, yeah, both. Yeah, both. You can't, you can't separate them. Yeah, maybe you've heard the story about what happened before we went to Munich. I'm not sure. <laughs> The uh, the all the Olympic teams, different sports. We all met in uh, Washington D.C. and we got outfitted by uh, what was it? I think Wards Montgomery Wards outfitted the, the all our uh, outfits for the, the opening ceremony and closing ceremonies and our workout gears. And so the last day we were there, I think three days. We'd had good wrestling workouts, but the last day we didn't get into the gym to work out. And so uh, our team got invited to the White House that evening. And I, both Ben and I were pretty disappointed when Dan said, hey, we're not going to the White House. We win medals. Uh, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll, we'll be invited to the White House. We, we, need to, we need to sharpen ourselves. And so we put the beds up against the walls we put a towel by the door in the bathroom, in our hotel room. You know, they didn't have workout places in hotels back then. And, and we got a little workout. I, I'm sure that workout didn't help us that much physically. But boy, mentally it sure did. I, I don't remember saying this, but our team leader, Russ Houck, um, came to me when they returned from the White House. The whole team was there. I was the first one he saw, the three of us, and he said, hey, you guys, we were at the White House. Where were you guys? I don't remember saying this, but he told me, and maybe he was making this up, but he said, because this doesn't sound like me. I was not one of those boisterous guys that, that <laughs> he said, Peterson, you said 
Do you want us to go to Munich to be tourists or you just, do you want us to win medals? And he said at the time when he heard me say that, he, he thought, oh, this is crazy. Now, Gable, yeah, he's, he's, he's returning world champ. But these Peterson boys, they haven't done anything internationally. So that was, that was Gable's influence on us mentally. He had us believing that we could get medals. Now, I may have just been a little boisterous there because I had doubts. But I was wrestling at a whole different level now, and I had I had turned the corner some. Both Ben and I look, took uh, fourth place in a freestyle national tournament, Federation one. They had the A1, AU, and the Federation. We both took fourth a month before the Olympic tryout term. And here's Gable's teaching again. I, I lost to Steve Combs, who'd been on the 68 world team, our Olympic team. And he was he was kind of a Greco guy. And every time I shot my double, he'd pull me up and hit me with a headlock and, and, and score two points. And he beat me like 15 to one or something like that. And this is a, a month before the Olympic trial tournament. And so when we back went back to Ames, Dan did did the thing again. He said, John, every time you're shooting your double, you're not squeezing those legs together. You're not buckling those knees. You're not picking those legs up and throwing them to the mat. You're letting him control you. And he had me drill every day, every day, posting my out by, by foot, driving into that guy. I would be drilling that on Dan. I'd be drilling on Ben. I'd be drilling it on other guys. And that made a whole difference. When I wrestled Steve Combs in the Olympic tryouts a month later, I, I beat him, uh, I don't know, maybe six to two or three. So I, mean, I certainly didn't turn the score around completely. But he was, Steve would see me at the national tournament, and the first time he asked me, you know, what happened? How in the world did you turn around? I beat you so bad. And I said, well, Gable. Gable had me train that. And so every time I'd see him from then on, Steve would say, oh, that dirty Gable. <laughs> Son of a buck. <laughs> It almost sounds like there's a negative connotation to this word, but I think you can use a positive light too. And I think I've even talked with, with Gabe about it. It's like brainwashing or influencing to believe it's possible. You know, the, the physical feeds the mental, right? You train this moving up, but it's just training it. There has to be a belief behind it, right? And I think there has to be like, okay, squeeze the legs together, do it enough times, but there has to be a, a belief or, or a brainwashing or a changing of the the way you think like it's possible. Yeah, I, I like to think of it as trusting in what's true. Okay, yeah. When you do technique in the right way that, that fits your body, if, if it's not true, I don't have the right angle, if I don't have the right power, if I haven't lifted weights enough so that I'm strong enough, uh, my belief's not going to work if if I can't do it enough times. Believing something doesn't make it true. Truth is what well, the way God has created our universe. Now, I could get really philosophical about this whole thing, but <laughs> we can't make our own truth. We we have to go by what creation says about so that it, when you study physics, it helps your wrestling. <laughs> and then Gable was like that. He 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 would he would help me to think through things. Okay, this didn't work. Now you got to you got to work on something that works. And then you 
you do it enough times so it becomes automatic. And now you're believing in, you're not be, believing in some fairy tale. You know, I, I, I can't make myself win by just believing it. I, I've got to put the work in. And I think you were, you were asking kind of that question, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It has to be true. It can't just be what I think. Right. Exactly. So, uh, 71, you went 0-2 at the Worlds. 72 now, you're in Munich at the Olympics. Do you have that belief? Do you believe it to be true that I'm, I can win this thing? The, whole, the Olympic Games, I'm here and I'm, I'm ready to do it and I know I can. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I was, I was thinking in terms of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win this thing. I was thinking in terms of I'm, I'm going to go one match at a time. I'm going to wrestle my heart out each time I step on the mat. I'm going to use the techniques that I've been training with, especially in these last year. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to focus on the things, you know, there's so many, uh, the, probably the biggest thing that hurts wrestlers is fear of losing. Yeah. And I, and I had to, I had to learn to kick that one out of my system. And, and, and that's where my faith in God and trust in Christ made a huge difference. It, that if I do get beat, it's not the end of the world because there's something way more important in my life. That was huge in 76. I started crying before my last match. I had beaten I had beaten uh, the two returning world champs. One of them was a Russian who had the Soviet guy. I had wrestled him six times, and he had beaten me three. I had beaten him three and uh and and because of this not wrestling with fear uh i I ended up beating him 20 to four i could tell you a fun story about that but it's more detailed than you want no i'd love it Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well our mom had prayed the night the the day that we made the olympic team god is it 72 or 76 this is 76 i'm going way way ahead okay uh, but I was starting to have this kind of thinking in 76. Um, so our mom prayed. She she had read a story in the Bible about King David. King David messed up big time in his life when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then, <clears throat> and then killed her husband so he could marry her, cover up the crime. <laughs> and so... <clears throat> His family was a mess, and his oldest son tried to turn traitor on him when he was older in his kingdom. And so he got a group of guys together and um, came in to take the, take the throne. So David is leaving Jerusalem, and he's going up the Mount of Olives. We'll, we'll be there next week. <laughs> um, and he heard his chief counselor, Ahithophel, had turned traitor on him. And so David just stopped. Rather than be all fearful of what's going to happen here, he just prayed, God, make the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness. So my mom saw that prayer, and she said, I just decided that day I was going to pray for you guys, and this is how I'm going to pray. God, confuse the counsel of the coaches that coach against my boys. All of my matches against that Soviet guy were real close, 3-2, 2-3. This one started out the same way. He took. He got me in a high crotch, had me on his shoulder, 
was taking me down to the mat, and somehow I squirmed around and was able to reverse. He scored two points, I scored two, and the score was two to two. Second period, I always try to get my guys tired in the first as much as I could, and then scored points. Well, I scored about uh, 18 points in the second period. <laughs> he shot a he shot a move on my on my leg. I, I stuffed his head to the outside, and I did a cross lift, and uh-huh. he kept hanging on. I did it again. He kept hanging on. I did it again. Now the score is eight to two. It had never been like that before. He started making mistakes after mistakes. I think he was confused. I think he got some bad counsel from his coaches. Wow. So you see, I, I learned. I'm, I'm getting ready for my final match in Montreal. And uh, I made a mistake. Ben and I would go back in the, in the, in the workout area, warm-up area, and... Uh, we pray together, and then we go towards the arena. And I'm walking, and there's a there's a TV monitor over the doorway. And I look up at the TV monitor, and Jim McKay, the guy in the headquarter thing, said, "We're going to switch to the wrestling hall and watch John Peterson attempt to win the gold medal." And and when I hear him say that, I, I just fear grips me. I, I start crying. I'm, I'm like a high school kid before my match is so nervous. <laughs> and Ben's taps me on the back and says, man, you'll be okay, John. And I, man, I needed more than that. So I had to switch my thinking. I had to think about what's true. John, you've beaten the two best guys. <laughs> this Turkish guy, coaches have told you some things about him. You're in good shape. You haven't gotten that tired that you're exhausted when the matches are over. You, you can do these things. And besides that, I had memorized a verse, 1 Peter 1.13 in the Bible. It says, Peter's talking there, and he says, Preparing your minds for action and being self-controlled, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. John, your hope is not in winning this gold medal here. Your hope is in seeing God someday and being with him forever. So go out there and wrestle. These are things that I learned wrestling with athletes in action. Do your wrestling as an act of worship to God. Don't worry about the people. So by the time I got out on the mat, I'm not thinking about all these people. There's Montreal, so a lot of Americans there cheering for us. Yeah. I'm thinking about focusing on wrestling and, and saying, you know, this is this is this is for you, God, not not for me. Hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot of our guys that are doing that now. <laughs> Kyle Schneider talks about it, right? Yeah. When one of you I think it was you, did you ask him? Uh Guys are athletes are often defined more by their losses than their wins, and and Kyle said, and and and, and it was it you that asked him. It wasn't me, but I was standing this? right next to this guy, and he said it won't define me. It was after he got pinned in the in the World Finals, yeah, the year he, after he had beaten Sadulayev. He, he said, yeah, and he has a smile on his face, and he says, uh, "No, I'm not defined by my wins and losses. I'm defined by my relationship with the Lord." I thought, "Wow, what a mature guy!" I, if if someone had stuck a microphone in my face when I got beaten uh, in the world championships in 79 when I tied the Russian and he won the tiebreaker, I would have said, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> yeah. I knew better than to These ask Kyle that. So that I knew better than to ask him that question because I knew what the answer would be <laughs> only because I'd, I'd spent so much time around him. And he's always said like, nobody's going to remember me in 300 years. And how, you know, this world's going to go on for how long? So we're just a blip. And he's really level-headed and, and has a really good perspective. 
and that yeah, that I answer really shows. Jordan Burroughs, he 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 comes across that same way. Yeah, I love when those guys do that. We've got a lot of uh, just shining examples of 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 great leaders in this sport and guys who win with grace and lose with grace, and they don't lose a whole lot, <laughs> but when they do, they know how to handle it. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Um, I've got I've got the shirt on here that I had when I I went to uh, Hungary with um, Bill Zadek when he was a developmental coach and Tommy Gilman was on that team. It was okay. a cadet world championships. So I thought, what shirt should I wear? And I and I saw this one. I said, ah, okay, I'll I'll put that shirt on <laughs> because I'm going to go over and watch the world championships this year. Ben and I haven't been at the world championships for a while. It's going to be fun watching those guys compete. You're going to uh, Serbia, right? It's in Serbia. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So I guess I, I don't want to think – I want to think about this too. Like you're going to go over to Serbia. It's 2022. It's probably internet everywhere. Enough people speak English. And, and it's, got, it's got to be different than 70s. The 70s, Europe and the Soviet oh. Union. And I, the I mean – The biggest I, bomber – is that the Russians aren't going to be there, right? Uh, I hope yeah. they make it. I don't think they're going to. Is there still would, a chance? From what I understand, little to none. I don't make, you know, I could be wrong, and who knows, but it doesn't sound like, maybe, but I don't believe they will. I hope so. And I know the Americans hope so, too. They don't want to, they don't want, I mean, they want to win, period. And if they're not there, they still want to win. But they want to go beat the Russians, Right. Um, yeah, because it's almost like there'll be an asterisk on it, you know. Yeah, but I tell you, Iran, Iran has a, a fantastic squad this year, and it'll be, it'll be a dog race. It'll still be a dog oh, yeah. race, but with, with us in Iran. So, um, but I can't even imagine what 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 the international travel was like forty years ago. What what what, what do you remember about going to Europe or going to the USSR? Oh, uh, 40 years ago, it was totally different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had guys watching us all the time. The KGB were on our tail. Really? Uh, I've been over there a lot, awful lot, with Stephen Barrett uh, during the 90s. Started traveling there a bunch with him. And then lately, we've been in, the, in Central Asia. This summer, we were in Mongolia. Uh, to see the contrast between Mongolia, when I went there the first time, it was in 92. I went there with a group that brought the Jesus film there. They, they said there were maybe 25 Christians in the whole country. Now there are between 60 and 100,000. It's still a small percentage, but it's growing. Uh, economically, the, the contrast is incredible. What free enterprise does, even, in, even with the, all the corruption that's in that country, uh, it's like day and night. Prosperity that people never thought they could ever have. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's huge. We we should talk about Israel too, right? Yeah, I want I want to get to that. I had, I had one other question, and maybe this ties in, but um, in '72, Munich, and and I, I think maybe there is a correlation here, but with the the I guess it was terrorism that was going on. You probably had your head down and your and your focus on wrestling but there is this other situation going on what was your perspective and and how did you see this and view it or did you just 
and I'm, there's not social media and, and information doesn't travel nearly as fast. It didn't travel nearly as fast as it does today. But how did you consume and, and understand what was your understanding, what was going on while you were in Munich with the, the terrorist um, situation? Well, fortunately, that happened the second week of the Olympics and freestyle wrestled the first week. Okay. So that happened during Greco-Roman. And that was that was a tragedy. Boy, that that affected Jay Robinson and some of the other guys. Jay had had weighed in that morning to wrestle, and then they canceled wrestling that day. And if I remember right, they didn't have weigh-ins the next day. It went by the weigh-in from the day before. Wow! And back then, the Olympics were five days. You you weighed in scratch weight every day. Mm-hmm. That was a huge effect on him. He was a uh, he was a really light 180 pounder, so the guy who ended up beating him had, was able to put on a lot of weight. He would never tell that story and give an excuse. Um, so for us, you know, we'd already had our medals. We would we would go watch competition. Uh, we didn't even have to get a ticket to go watch it. All we do is show the ushers our medals, and they'd let us sit wherever <laughs> we want to sit. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it was a totally different atmosphere than it is now. Uh, the security was very lean. That's why the terrorists could get into that village so easily. They could jump over the fence. There were no barbed wire around the building or around the yeah the village. Yeah. So the uh, yeah, that was pretty much the beginning of the terrorist age. The terrorists found out with a, just a small group of people they could make a huge. They could get a lot of attention. The whole world was watching that one. Were you affected by? You weren't affected by this in any way, were you? Or people you know? Not wrestling Other than, wise. Yeah, Gable. I mean, um, um, J. Rob. No. no. I think I think J. Rob was affected by it. I don't know how you could not be if you're competing during that happening. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty insane. Um, okay, we, we'll transition. You, so that, that, that's actually why we're going to Munich, because it's the 50th anniversary. Is, oh, you're going to Munich? Yeah, of Munich, 50th okay. anniversary. And they have a tournament in honor of those guys. Four of them were wrestling, involved in wrestling, a referee, a, a coach, and then a Greco wrestler. Dan Gable's weight class so was a, a, an Israeli guy. Dan didn't wrestle him, but and then there was a Greco guy. And so they have a tournament Stephen Barrett and uh, my other AIA friends, uh, when I was coaching our team, when I lived there in Europe, it was 10 years from 81 to 91, we went down to that tournament twice and wrestled once in Beersheba where Abraham uh, lived, and then once in Nazareth where Jesus lived when he was a boy. So uh, it's going to be interesting to be back there again uh, some 40 years later. To see how that tournament has changed. Turks yeah. are going to be there. Um, oh, one of the, I think uh, one of the stand countries, maybe Uzbekistan. Pat Smith is coming to wrestle in Greco. That's pretty cool. Mike Mike Houck's going on this trip, so Ben and I are going to have a great time. <laughs> he was. Uh, Mike Houck was our. First Greco World Champ, I believe, right? 
That's right. That's right. He coached. He coached Pat Smith in high school. That's where Pat got his start in Greco. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty pretty awesome. And you're leaving in like an hour. You're literally, you're leaving your house in like an hour to go to the airport and wrestle for peace. Yeah. Yes. So I, we're I guess talking it's... about peace, and we're gonna be talking about the Prince of Peace. I hope we don't get in trouble. <laughs> um. How did the, what what is wrestle for peace? Oh, no. Yeah, the uh, the tournament. Yeah, that yeah, you're going to a tournament called Wrestle for Peace, right? Well, as I as I understand it, it, it's the tournament that's in honor of those guys who were killed. Uh, I'm amazed at how many Americans don't know that story about the uh, um, what happened to the Israelis in the '72 Olympics. Just in the last few. Uh, months here, and as I've known, I was going there. People asking me, "Where are you going? What, what are you doing?" And I tell them about that. Uh, they very few people know that that was a tragedy that happened at those Olympics. You know, I I was invited as an athlete to when I lived in Europe to the first uh, Olympic Sport Congress, where athletes were invited. Because I had won the Olympics in 76, uh, Ersigan, the head of, of FILA, asked me to represent wrestling. And the, and the, uh, the Congress was in Baden-Baden, Germany, West Germany. And the theme of the Congress was peace through and by sport. Well, we had boycotted the 1980 Olympics. 1976 Olympics were controversial because of... Uh, the Canadians allowed South Africa to compete in the game, so a lot of African nations boycotted. And, of course, there was no peace demonstrated by the Olympics in 72 because of that terrorist attack. So that theme, peace through and by sport, was, well, I, I consider it a joke. The different delegations, they would come up and speak, and they would just lambast the United States for leading this this boycott because the Soviet Union had invaded Afghanistan. And so I love the way sports brings people of different cultures together, and there's a sense in which it does bring peace. But ultimately, it's only God who can bring peace in our lives you know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and, and, and he's the one that changes our hearts and helps us to love one another rather than want to kill each other. So that's what that's what this tournament is all about. Although, you know, they won't be saying that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This is Israel. Of course. <laughs> Judaism is controlling it. So, but they'll let us talk. We have, to, we have to be wise in how we do it. It's pretty remarkable. You know, we talk about wrestling and, and like, and we, Russia and the U.S. and Iran, right? Traditionally, politically, whatever you want to talk about, you think about that, those don't mix, right? Those are like, ah, they're all three kind of like way separate. 
But you go to the World Championships typically, or or Krasnoyarsk, or one of these big international tournaments, and they're they're side by side. They're warming up. They're they're wrestling. They're you'll go in the evening after the tournament. You'll see them intermingling at some kind of post tournament celebration. And they're yeah. you know there's this famous picture of Jordan Burroughs in 2012, arm in arm with Gadarzi, the the Iranian. He he wrestled in the yeah in the finals yeah. and. Um, there's not a whole lot of sports or different activities, the organizations, institutions that can can bring these three and and more countries together, and everybody gets along. And there's there no the only drama is you beat me and we don't we we we're our rival, so of course we want to beat you, but it's not it doesn't run deep into hatred and wanting to take lives or or anything like that. It's, it's, yeah, we can be great friends. I, I've been over in Teddy Chevelli's house. He's been here in my house. The guy who beat Ben and I. Um, I have to. I have to educate our Americans that Iranian people don't hate us as Americans. The last time I was in Iran is way back in two thousand three. Uh, Sammy Henson had won the world championships in Iran. Yeah. And he, he was coming back, and so he wrestled in a tournament there. Uh, something happened. They, they called me up. Uh, I don't know. It was Jackson, I suppose, was coach then, and, and he couldn't make it over there, so they asked me to come, and I'd, I'd been to Iran a few times. Sammy, Sammy got beat by some Turkish guy, and he got cheated pretty bad. And the crowd was so upset. And I don't think it was just because he had won the world championships in Iran. They, they wanted justice. They wanted right calls. And so they started ch- chanting, USA, USA, throwing shoes out on the mat and, and water bottles. And <laughs> that didn't change. Sammy ended up losing. But it, it just showed us again. These, these people are... are Frantic wrestling fans, and, and they and they want to see good wrestling, and they don't hate Americans. <laughs> no. It's their government that that is so messed up, and it was the same way during the Soviet days. The Cold War was going on, but we we saw that the the, the wrestling people we we could uh, we could get to know them. Like, uh, so in that in that sense, there is there's. There's some piece that is helpful with sport, but ultimately God has to change our hearts. Man, uh, we we could go on and on, but I, I know we're getting actually it's, time's kind of got away. Um, I know you get this fight to get on, so I, I want to wind it down. But there's one little segment we like to play with our guests. It's a little bit more fun. It's called wins and whoopings. So it's like thinking back over the span. I mean, from the Maybe from from ninth grade through your last match ever. Everybody's got big wins that they're impressed, you know, proud of, and everybody's got their ass kicked once or twice. And I'm trying to get you to come up with one example of a story, like one win that sticks out. Maybe it's your Olympic gold medal match. Maybe it's a a, a junior high, you know, a JV match. I don't know, but one win that stands out that you're really proud of. Um, a really memorable win, and then one butt whooping where you just you got beat up so bad, and you came off the mat shaking your head and like, what just happened? I'm thinking, I'm I'm looking for one example on either extreme. Um, a a a 
a win that sticks out to your memory and a loss that sticks out in your memory. You can do either one first. Okay, I'll do the win. Uh, probably the one I told you about when I beat Keith Abens in the semifinals of the Midlands tournament, and I lost in the I lost in the finals uh, in overtime. Jim Tannehill, who had wrestled at Winona State and was a Greco guy, uh, he had he had hammered me completely uh, the first time I wrestled him as a sophomore in college, and now here we were in the finals of the Midlands. So both of those matches stand out because that that was a turning point. As I talked to you before, it started yeah. giving me more realistic idea that hey, I'm I'm almost at that same level as Ben is. So, uh, yeah, I think probably those two matches. There, there are too many other ones I could think about. Sure. Chris Campbell beat me in my last match. I don't think the referee called it right because I had him turn, but they didn't give me the points. So, you know, that gets at my crawl a little bit. <laughs> 79 I, world championships. You know, I, I was never world champ. Neither one of us, Ben and I said, we were going to keep wrestling until one of us won the world championships. And I came so close, but I, I was, I was letting, letting stuff bother me too much. <laughs> It's round robin stuff. I had beaten a Hungarian soundly. He pinned the Soviet guy. So all, all I have to do is beat the Soviet guy. The Soviet guy can't get a gold medal. He'd have to pin me to get a silver. So one of my friends said, you know, he's not going to be motivated to wrestle out there. Well, he was motivated. We ended up 9-9. And, and I lost the tiebreaker. And the judge sitting over there in our mat was a Hungarian judge. So God used all those kind of things to help humble me and say, Peterson, stop making excuses. You know, Coach Bill Farrell, he drilled into our heads. You got to beat that guy so bad, nobody can take it away from you. So I shouldn't have been thinking those thoughts, mm -hmm. especially after being 10 years on the international circuit almost. So that's still working on humbling me. That's good. I lied. I got one more question. I meant to bring this up. All right. The Peterson role. Is that you? Is that Ben? Is that neither? That's neither, but Ben Ben is way closer. He was a side role man, but he didn't do the classic Peterson. So that's okay. somebody else. You'll have to talk to Ben about that. Okay. Uh, if you're going to give any one of either one of us credit, you have to give it to Ben because I was not a side role man either. Okay. But I was we all about the role. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> that was your move huh that was that was probably my one of my best moves yeah so thanks to ben or, or wherever that came from but yeah now ben, ben can tell you some guy in new england i think uh and then of course grammy wrestling they uh they really yeah. made it work yeah they did a great job yeah all right well, John, uh, I, I know I'm, i don't want you to have to sprint to the airport so i will let you get going um Best of luck in, in your travels over to um, Wrestle for Peace. It sounds like it'll be an amazing event. And thanks so much for joining us today. I'm going to give you the last word to say anything you might want to say about anything. Well, I, I just appreciate the opportunity to talk about wrestling. And people ask me how long I can keep doing what I'm doing, uh, working at these different colleges that I'm at. And I say, as long as people want to talk about wrestling and talk about Jesus, I'm going to keep doing it. So, uh He's the Prince of Peace. He's the great one. And I love the fact that we have so many wrestlers now who are willing to 
give him the credit. So thanks. Thanks for the chance to talk with you. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I hope to run into you again sometime soon. So have a great day and, and enjoy your travels. Are you going to be at the world championships? I will not. I'll be there in spirit. We have a couple oh. other guys going, but I'll be back here holding okay. the fort down. Um, good. Watching, good watching overnight. <laughs> so. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Yep. All right, folks. Legend, John Peterson. Uh, what an awesome guest. A lot of great stories and, of course, a big fan of the Prince of Peace. And we thank him for coming on. And thank you for, for tuning in. That's going to do it for today's show. I'll see you tomorrow.